Did you get high? No. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> kind of funny, though. <laughs> that how we're going to start the episode? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I have all this stuff typed out already and I don't, I'm just like sitting there looking at the recording thing just bouncing around. Are you sure you didn't get high? I am positive. <laughs> Maybe I should have. <laughs> no. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> hey, welcome to the podcast today. We're doing Pet Cemetery because I can't get my shit together. I don't have a good intro. I'm all over the place. But yeah, today we're going to do uh, Pet Cemetery from 1989. I was a whole one years old when this came out. It's an old movie. Yeah, 1989. I uh, I thought that the remastered version looked really good, though. That's what I was going to say. I was really going to make good. a joke. Does it make you feel old when you see how old the movie is? But actually, that was my first thought was, wow, they did an amazing job remastering this movie. Yeah, uh, I thought it was going to look because every time I've seen Pet Cemetery, I think it's been on either VHS or cable. I, see, I feel like I remember seeing it on like the USA Network a lot. But uh, th- this is the first time I've seen like a remastered DVD version of it, and it looked really good. Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Oh, Blu-ray. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean Makes to offend difference. the Blu-ray fans out there. They're like... <laughs> Don't call it a DVD. Yeah, that's, that's, a like, that's like a $5 difference. They probably quit, makes... quit remastering things into DVD a long time ago. You remember we when we did Sleepaway Camp, how fucking old it looked on my big-ass TV. And this actually looked really good. And they're, they're only what, seven years apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're not super far apart. But but uh, first, was uh, I got a little bit of news. I like to throw a little bit of news in here. Uh, so Chucky Season 3 trailer just dropped. And everyone's favorite killer doll is, are you ready for this? Is heading to the White House. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So this is you, ne- next... you heard that right. He is going to be in the White House. Just to stop before he heads to space. It seems that the president's son has come into the possession of Chucky. <laughs> this is so <laughs> fucking ridiculous. This sounds unbelievable. <laughs> That's why I had to put this in here. And uh, so I guess I watched the trailer because the trailer just came out. And he starts murdering people around the White House. <laughs> I can't even get through this. Maybe, maybe this isn't such a bad idea, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but the White House has cameras. You know, like if people started popping up mysteriously dead at the White House, they would just like watch, you know, the footage. There's, you know, I don't know. There's some security there. Cocaine that ends up in the White House. Apparently. And people can't find out who that maybe was. Maybe it was Chucky. <laughs> it's Chucky's cocaine for sure. This is not a show. This is a documentary. So <laughs> this is ridiculous, <laughs> but it, um, so <laughs> Devon Sawa will be returning to the show, uh, as a new character. He was in season one. Who's the podcast kid? He's no, 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 no that's, a, no, that's Devon, the kid's name. And yeah, the Devon show. Sawa is, um, the guy from like final destination and idle hands. Hmm. He plays the in the first season of Chucky. He plays the dad, and he plays the uncle. Remember, the dad dies in like the first episode. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling Chucky season one for you. But, you're not. You're not spoiling much. But um, yeah, he goes to live with his identical twin uncle, who is also played by same actor, and uh, he is coming back to play a third character in this show. Interesting. 
Uh, yeah. So in uh, Jennifer Tilly will also be returning. That's that's always good. No, no complaints about that. I feel like nowadays you almost can't have Chucky without Jennifer Tilly. Yeah, what is she playing her third character? Or is um, she playing her famous self again? I don't. She no. she plays Tiffany <laughs> and she plays Jennifer Tilly. Yeah, I remember. I don't. I haven't kept up with the Chucky series. I, I watched the first season. I'm going to yeah. be honest; it was tough. It's just too. Oh man, it's too, too goofy to me now. It seems like it's, it's too much. Comedy. It's dedicated towards teenagers nowadays. And not as much at the uh, its fan base. I didn't hate it, but I just didn't. I didn't love it either. And I just kind of forgot about it. And uh, it's had a whole entire season that went by that I haven't seen. Yeah, I it streams on Peacock though, so and I don't have Peacock anymore, so I can't. I can't watch it. But it used to be on something else because when I watched it. Uh, I want to say it was Hulu when I watched the first season. Yeah, probably probably was. But so it premieres October fourth. Season three comes out October fourth. It's on USA Network slash Sci Fi. I don't I don't know if they're the same channel now or it was on Sci Fi. I think it was when I had Hulu Live. That's probably how I watched it. But yeah, it can now be streamed on Peacock. So so there you go. If you're looking forward to seeing Chucky murder the president or something, if you want to pay for Peacock now. Yeah, it's like $3 now. I don't know. So this is something we talked a little bit about. We actually had to get to the bottom of it because we were confused. Jason Blum announced this week that The Exorcist Believer will now be releasing to theaters one week earlier than planned. It is going to be coming out now October 6th. Instead of, what, the 13th? Yeah, Friday the 13th, (laughs) which was a great, great day for it to come out. Yeah, he... uh, put out a tweet and said basically thanks Taylor Swift now I have to move this movie uh, up earlier a week did not understand what that meant apparently he doesn't want to compete with uh, with the Taylor Swift concert movie tour movie something something like that I don't I'm not really uh, hip to the Taylor Swift films film I don't know but uh, yeah, he I, originally we thought maybe it was just they were didn't want to compete with ticket sales. But from what we understand, it's uh, movie theaters want to show the Taylor Swift thing on as many screens as they can. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Taylor Swift. <laughs> pick a pick a different date. Such you could a, did Saturday the fourteenth. Such a horse. Thursday the twelfth. I I just can't imagine it playing in every the like. There being such a demand that it has to... I mean, they're not going to show any other movies when that shit comes out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but... Hey, we're getting the mo- the other movies sooner, so whatever. I know, but still, like... Friday the, Friday the 13th, it was a, I thought that was a cool date for it. If, if you don't know uh, about this next thing, going to let you know now. So they're actually going to be doing the, the original Exorcist, the good one. Um, it's going to be turning 50, and they're going to be showing it in a bunch of movie theaters across the country. And that is October 3rd, I believe. It's the beginning of October, 
we had, uh, I think, at least two theaters where we are that are going to be showing it. I think it's for one day. It has a little documentary about the filming locations, too, that's going to play right before the movie. So if you want to see the original Exorcist in theaters, um, look for that because it's it's not super well known. But a lot of theaters are doing it, so so check that out. Yeah, I can't wait for that. It'd be yeah. our only chance of watching the OG Exorcist on the big screen. I would rather go see the original Exorcist. Like if I had to pick, like you know, they're the same about the same week almost. If I had to pick between seeing OG Exorcist or going to see the the new one as soon as it came out, I would see the OG Exorcist for sure. I agree. I agree with that. Yep. After after you get done watching the uh, Taylor Swift concert, well, movie. I'm definitely gonna see Taylor Swift. But yeah, I assume uh, so. Hopefully, it's not still taking up every fucking theater by then. But yeah, that's uh, that's really all I put into the news. It wasn't a whole lot of stuff. That's I mean, there's there's always a lot of news out there, but those were kind of the big things I wanted to hit on. But. Oh, the House of a Thousand Corpses doing that as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is going to be hitting some theaters too, and that is October 8th. So look for that too. There's all these, there's all these uh, horror movies that are going to be hitting the theaters that haven't been in theaters in a really long time. Just, uh, I don't know, I guess just try to look and see what your theater has. And uh, because they're not, I don't know, they're not really advertised. Like I'm only finding out because I'm in some groups and people are posting about them, but just kind of look for that stuff. It's, it's, I don't know, it's really hard to find, but, but it's going on. It's out there. All right. So Stephen King's Pet Cemetery from 1989 is a supernatural horror film written by King himself and directed by Mary Lambert. It stars Dale Midkiff, Denise Crosby, Blaze Birdall, and how do you say uh, you, you're you're a Monsters fan? How do you say his last name? Fred Gwynn. Yeah, I didn't I didn't I I thought that's how you said it. I, I hope I'm saying that right. That's I think how that's how I've right. always pronounced it. I meant to I meant to check to be sure, but I'm pretty sure that's right. But Fred Gwynn and Miko Hughes as Gage Creed. Yeah, it was released on April 21st of 1989. It had a budget of $11.5 million and a box office of $89.5 million. Did pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, small budget, but a decent return. The sequel, Pet Cemetery 2, was released in 1992, and a remake was released in 2019. I wonder, I wonder how good the remake did. I don't really remember. I think the remake did pretty well in theaters. Yeah, remember it probably was, did better was, than the original. Um, we went and seen it in theaters. I remember it was uh, that it was advertised very well, so I assume it probably did pretty good. I've only seen it one time, and I can't remember how close it was to this movie. Hmm. Was it was it pretty much you know? Same same exact story, or did they make any changes to it? Well, I think there's slight changes, but I think the overall story is the same. Hmm. I don't remember like the wife having the sister part. I don't remember any of that part of the story. Oh, wow. Um, that's like, but I, I mean, I could be wrong. You know, I can't remember movie I watched two weeks ago. So, um, 
So the uh, the rating, so Rotten Tomato, it's got a 51%. IMDb gave it a 6.5 out of 10, and Letterboxd gave it a 3.2 out of 5 stars. That's okay. Yeah, that's pretty uh, That's pretty low, I think. You think that's low? Hmm. I mean, the 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, I mean, that's... That's pretty low. I would have... I wouldn't go under a seven. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I actually, I actually forgot to rate this movie. <laughs> I was doing this stuff earlier. God, man, so my rating's you gonna you be. You did get high. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My rating is going to be. Don't don't just off copy the top one of, of my head. <laughs> I'm just gonna have you go first, and then I'm just gonna copy whatever you say. So, <laughs> you want to you want to jump into uh, the plot? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. If you remember to write it down. <laughs> I wrote all this down. So um, we are introduced to the Creed family. We got Lewis, Rachel, Ellie, and Gage. I believe Ellie is, uh, I think she's like, I don't know, does it say her name? I think she's like eight, nine years old. Yeah, she's somewhere in there. Yeah, Gage is two years old. So we got, you know, two small children uh, and a pet cat named Church. Uh, I don't think they say it in the movie, but the. Um, Winston Churchill. Yeah, yeah. Did they say it in the movie? They, yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, actually, before before we jump into the plot of this movie, I want I'll throw this in there because uh, recently um, read the book and there was some really cool stuff from the book in there. But one of the things that I found was interesting was Stephen King's uh, how he got the idea for this for the story and. He and his family, like he got offered a teaching job at his college that he went to. And uh, it was just for a year. So him and his family kind of moved in the middle of nowhere out in Maine so he could work at this college. And he, um, the road that, you know, ran past his house had these big trucks. And the neighbor, well, the guy across the street, he didn't actually live across the street. He had like a small store, but it's a very similar relationship to what we have in this movie. Like a majority of this movie is kind of true, except for the pet cemetery murder stuff. But uh, basically, yeah, you know, he, they had a problem with the trucks and stuff coming down the road. Uh, there was the issue with his daughter and her pet cat and her really kind of discovering kind of death. Like, you know, when a child first realizes stuff about death um, with their pet for the first time, all that stuff actually happened. And then the kid, like his small child, like running to the road and almost getting hit by a truck. That did happen, but he was, uh, you know, obviously able to save his kid before that happened. But he wrote this book, um, after like during this situation, and then he thought that the book was really kind of he had went too far, and he had actually put this book away and didn't plan to release it. And his uh, wife eventually found it, read it, really liked it, and convinced him to release it. So was there was there a real pet cemetery in this town? Um, I think there was, I don't believe the cat actually, their cat didn't actually, no, their cat did die because, um, there is a, it's in the book and in the movie where they actually like wrote her real life cat's name 
on one of the tombstones of the pet cemetery in in this movie. And uh, there is something that she says in the movie where she says, uh, you know, if God wants a cat, tell him to get his own cat. This is my cat. And that is actually something his daughter said in real life when, when her cat got killed. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a pet cemetery. That's cool. Somewhere out there. Yeah. This a real place. Yeah. Um, the beginning of the book is actually, you know, like a forward written by Stephen King. And he actually tells the story. And uh, it's really cool. Uh, look into it because obviously there's way more detail when he tells it. But it was really cool to see that a lot of this was based off of the reality of his life at that time. And, you know, and he just pretty much took a real life situation and then added some horror to it. And you got a you know, good story out of it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't yeah. know that. But yeah, so um, they just moved from Chicago to Ludlow, Maine after Lewis accepts a job offer to be the University of Maine school physician. And while unpacking the car, we meet the across the street neighbor, Judd Crandall, who has lived in Ludlow his whole life. And in the days uh, following the move, Judd and Lewis, they kind of become friends. Like they hang out a lot, they you know drink beer on the porch together and become kind of buddies. And Judd explains uh, how dangerous the road by their home has become since uh, there's a, basically a company nearby. And they have 18-wheeler trucks that pretty much just, you know, roll through there every hour or so. And Judd is the neighbor that we all need but don't deserve. <laughs> yes. He is. He's a great addition to the story. I, 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 don't might, think... talk to, I might talk to my neighbors if, if I had a neighbor like Judd. Yeah. Yeah, he is uh, a really cool dude. And I'll talk about something later on about Judd that was really was really interesting to the story. But I think that they paint Judd to be this. Uh, and, and Judd is based off of a real person. You know, the guy didn't live across the street in real life. But, you know, he's based off of a very much a real person. And I, I love his accent. I wanted to open the show with his accent, but I just couldn't do it. It's too hard. It, couldn't pull it off. It's a hard one to do. Yeah. But uh, so he tells him that the path in uh, Lewis's yard that leads into the woods, it actually takes you to a pet cemetery. And the next day, Judd takes the Creed family on a walk down the path and he shows them the cemetery. And uh, the cemetery is mostly full of pets from local children that have been killed by the trucks that are speeding down the road. But not all the pets were killed by the trucks. The cemetery is very old, and even Judd's dog, when he was a boy, was buried there. I believe his dog's name. Is it Spot in the movie? It's Spot in the book. Mm, not sure. Yeah. Yeah, so after seeing the cemetery, El, uh, Ellie comes to realize that her pet cat church will one day die. And this upsets her a lot, and she talks to Lewis about the idea of death. Uh, I guess that is one thing that no parent is looking forward to is explaining death to their kid. <laughs> no, and Rachel is not fucking happy about it. You can tell yeah, she's no. kind of pissed. Yeah, she is. Um, she's kind of hiding in the kitchen, listening. Like she, you can tell that she's like, you know, she, I think that she doesn't really want Lewis to kind of tell the daughter like anything really about death. Like she kind of wants to just sugarcoat it because I guess she has this idea that maybe she's too young. And I mean, I personally, I agree with Lewis. 
hey, she's wondering about this thing that is something that everyone goes to and everyone has to deal with. Like, you know, don't don't bullshit her. Like, yeah. you know, kids can pick up on bullshit. And uh, just tell her, just tell her what's up right then and there. But yeah, she's she's old enough where she at that age should should know or at least knows somewhat that uh, death occurs. She gets, she kind of gets uh, shitty towards Judd too when they first go in the pet cemetery. Yeah, he tells her about yeah. it. And she's kind of like, she was enough a of that shit. Bitch to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's uh gives off major Karen vibes in the beginning of this he, movie. He handles it well too because I mean he kind of just shrugs it off, but I feel like he just like he. Just that's knows. just that's just Judd. That's though. just Judd. I think he can handle. Oh, it's any, just Judd. Anything. He can fucking handle it. But um, on Lewis's first day at work at the university, a group of frantic students carrying an injured student, and his name is Victor Pascal. And uh, he had been hit by a truck while jogging on campus. And I thought the makeup effect on him was great. I love like half his half, like his his brain is showing. And there's a couple scenes where he's laying on the table and you can see his brain. And there's actually, I don't know how they did it. But there's blood pouring out in like spots. It's you can literally just see it just kind of pouring down the side of the brain. I thought that was, it was great. Good job, yeah, that team. A, that's a bow down to the FX team. I had that in my notes as well. I absolutely loved that that shot of him coming in with the blood pouring out. Yeah, that that is. Uh, there's not a ton of, um, I guess. I guess uh, like makeup effects like that in this movie, but that's but, a couple but, spots. But though. the ones that's in there are good. They did a good job. But yeah, as he lays on the table during the last moments of his life, he warns Lewis about the pet cemetery soil. And uh, later that night, Lewis is woken up by the ghost of Pascal, who leads him to the cemetery and shows him a barrier that he should never cross. You know, Pascal spends so much of his time being dead trying to convince Lewis to like, don't go here. I know you think in the beginning, doing it, (laughs) the beginning of the movie that he's he's a bad character because he actually says says his name while he's laying there dying and uh, it freaks Lewis out. So you kind of think like maybe he's maybe he's this really bad character. It's like he he's. His dead ghost spends this whole movie trying to convince them not, not to fuck up. Yeah, and uh, he's so him and Judd like. Well, I got a really interesting thing about him. You know, later on in the show, we'll talk about those two characters because those two characters are painted a certain way in this movie, and there's there's uh there's something that's you know said about them that I didn't. I don't know. I didn't really pay. I didn't really catch on to, but we'll 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 talk about that I, in a little bit. If you look at it, I mean, I love Judd, but if you if you look at it, Victor's really the good guy here. He's trying to stop them, and Judd is kind of the bad guy here. Like he, that's interesting. He <laughs> actually, that's one thing I called on to is he he knows the dangers of that, and he takes him there anyway. Why Victor, who you think is the bad guy, spends the whole movie as a ghost trying to stop them from making this mistake. But yeah, so during this scene, we learn something interesting about Lewis is Lewis apparently wears his doctor uniform to bed. Did you did you catch that? I did not. Yeah, he has like his scrubs on. So the long hours at the university. And so after I watched this movie, like I put that in my notes because I thought that was weird. 
And then uh, later on when I was researching the movie, I actually found out about that, why that's like that. So originally the actor who plays Lewis, um, originally in that scene, he had just a pair of like small shorts on. And they kept having to reshoot it because every time he would like get out of bed, he would look too sexy. They said like <laughs> he was just too attractive. And they were like, he's fucking up the scene. That's like, this is supposed to be like scary. What a confidence <laughs> boost for the guy who played Lewis. Yeah. So. so they, they said they had to put him in clothes. Well, and they claim they put him in pajamas, but you know, I've watched this movie twice. <laughs> he is in doctor doctor uniform yeah whatever yeah i was i thought you were gonna tell me in the original script like he worked at a hospital or something i could see if you're a doctor on call at a hospital maybe uh, no he's putting too on sexy. some clean, clean scrubs he's, and going to bed just <laughs> too sexy in the moonlight yeah what a, what a nice confidence boost <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess they were worried all the women were gonna go see pet cemetery and just you know be like, oh God, you know, we gotta leave. We gotta leave here now. Like this scene was too much for me. But uh Lewis wakes up the next day. He thinks this is a dream. And uh, but then he discovers his feet and ankles are covered in mud. So he really was out there. I would have been freaked the fuck out because I would have been like, I was sleepwalking out there in the fucking woods. Yeah. And my first thought would have been, I could have got hit by one of those semis. Mm. That was that literally would have been my first thought. Well, he hides like he freaks out and he like hides the covers and stuff. And I'm like, I probably would have went downstairs and told my wife, like, you won't believe this shit that happened to me last night. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that, that yeah, was, you know, it was weird to me that he was trying to be uh, secretive about that. But I don't know. His wife's kind of a bitch. But, <laughs> I mean, I would go tell Brooke, like, you're not going to fucking believe what happened. Yeah, that's what I would <laughs> like, say. Not only did I have this fucking nightmare. And then when she was like, I woke it was up a nightmare. Like, and you'd be like, no, look at my legs. Like, yeah. it wasn't a nightmare. But uh, so during the Thanksgiving break, Rachel and the kids, they fly back to Chicago to visit her parents. And Lewis stays behind uh, at the house because he has a longstanding feud with his father-in-law, who I don't blame him because his father-in-law sucks. Been there. Done that. <laughs> I really felt for him whenever he sends the family there. off for Thanksgiving uh, and makes that comment like, well, apparently I'll never be part of your family, according to your dad. I'm like, I feel you, bro. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably a lot of husbands and father-in-laws. I feel like that's always you know a thing. But, but yeah, so that morning, the first morning they're gone, uh, Judd calls Lewis to tell him that he has found Ellie's cat church dead in his front yard. And by the looks of it, Church has been hit by one of those big trucks that are driving down the road, hauling ass. And uh, Church is stuck to the ground. I like that scene. Yeah. He just peels him off the grass. (laughs) He's, yeah, it looked like he died in the middle of the night because he didn't just die. Yeah. Yeah, he he definitely gets peeled. It's like a Band-Aid. Yeah. Slowly peeling off a Band-Aid. Yeah, but realizing that Ellie will be devastated, Judd, take, Judd takes Lewis beyond the pet cemetery, past the barrier, deep into the woods where they eventually end up at a old Indian burial ground. And Judd tells Lewis to bury the cat and not to tell anyone what that pretty much that they did it. Like, hey, this is a secret between me and you. And Lewis is confused. Judd doesn't tell him shit. Judd is just like, hey, man, just, you know, 
Just wait and see. Almost there. Not much further now. Yeah. How many times do you hear that from Judd? Oh, I remember. I'm like, they're walking and he he keeps saying that. Almost there now. And then and then they cut to a scene and they're on the side of a mountain. Uh, yeah, I'm like, that's how so fucking weird. far did they go? Like, <laughs> I I would have been like, nah. Well, after ten minutes of walking, I'm not I'm not walking the side of this mountain. Not doing it. Yeah. So um, so you know the 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 book has like a ton of information in it, and yeah, they filmed a lot of this stuff, but a lot of this stuff got cut out. And one thing, and I hate that they cut so much stuff out because there's a lot of stuff that like scenes like what you're talking about uh, would make a lot more sense. So the reason that Judd was just like cruising through there is uh, one of the things they talk about when they first go there for the first time to bury the cat is when you're there on that ground, like you feel amazing. Like Mm -hmm. your body is like there's nothing wrong with you. And, uh, yeah, in the book, they actually talk about how Judd to be like in his seventies or whatever was literally beating like Lewis at climbing all this shit. And Judd even tells him later on, he's like, didn't you feel, didn't you feel that when we were, when we were on the grounds, how amazing that you would, you felt. And he's like, yeah, actually I did. I felt was the best I ever felt in my life. That makes a little more sense. Gives some more insight too on why Judd took him there yeah so um there's some there's some stuff actually about that too uh this so this movie is the closest adaptation from a stephen king book there has ever been probably because stephen king wrote it i would imagine well there's there's yeah there's that and then there's some other stuff you know i got it down you know close to the end of the show when we kind of talk about when the movie was made but um this movie is is just about dead on, you know, on the book. And, uh, but the only problem is, is there's so much more information in the book about what's going on that is left out of the movie. So if you like the movie, read the book because it fills in a ton of information about what's going on. So highly recommend that. But, and I I try to put some of that stuff into the episode, but I don't want the whole episode to be the book versus the movie but um but yeah so the next day lewis is startled by a very much alive church and he, you see lewis gets his shit scared out of him he does maybe like almost falls to the ground drops whatever he's got or something but did, but, did you catch judd's face when lewis falls when they're going back to the cemetery to bury the cat no like i swear to god fred gwen must have like legit like that maybe that wasn't planned. I don't know, but his fucking face when he falls is is priceless. What what is face does he make? He just like the the typical like oh shit face. Oh. <laughs> like it is totally like a the, the most oh shit face you could imagine. Oh, when he falls down the um the big like, yeah. When Judge is like don't don't look down, keep keep dead. and yeah, uh. and then he falls. Yeah, I you know right before that too, when Judd goes up the front of the barrier, Judd does it in three like three steps. He does, and I was like, "Dude, Fred Gwynn's a big dude. Though. He is big. He's dude. big dude." But you can tell he's he's made this trip quite a few times. Yeah, like he this isn't the first time of him going there uh, since his dog went there. 
He's been there for quite a few. Yeah. Uh, so there's a one story too, where a guy actually carried his bull up there. Yeah. He dragged how, his. How do you ca- look? Yeah. I don't, how do you carry a well, bull Lewis on a, <laughs> on a on like flat ground, let alone and through the mountains? Yeah. So uh, actually, the thing with the burial ground is like ninety percent of what you bury there, when it comes back, is not evil. Um, very rarely does something come back as evil, which is one of the reasons why Judd takes the cat up there because he's like well i'm gonna tell you now there you know there's i've known a ton of people that's buried their animals up here they normally just come back kind of like a little slow or something kind of a little wrong with them but they're normally because like judd when his dog originally comes back his dog is fine not in the movie yeah he's like aggressive in the movie but um yeah he kept that dog for years afterwards and uh, everything else is normally okay. It's not the same, but it's okay. And uh, the bull is actually like the one animal that came back evil. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's the worst <laughs> animal to come back evil. Yeah. But yeah, they don't show that in the movie. In yeah. the movie, like the dog's fucking like all fucked up. Like super pissed off. Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. very vague when he explains it, too. That's what I'm saying is, like, there's so much information that either they didn't get in this movie or it got cut out because the studio cut a lot of stuff out, too. And I'm like, well, that makes a lot more sense why Judd would take him up there because he's like, well, you know, because, you know, why would he take him up there if he knew for sure the cat was going to be evil? Well, he says, too, when he starts blaming himself later on when the, uh, when the, when Gage dies, but, He's kind of he's kind of blaming himself, mm-hmm. and he says that he took the cat up there because he basically felt bad for Ellie. He's like she didn't deserve to have to face face at losing something she loved. So, I mean, yeah, that kind of that does shed more light on it, though. But yeah, so you know, Church has wandered back to the house, and he pretty much appears to be fine. He stinks very badly now. His eyes glow uh, kind of a goldish yellow, and he pretty much hates Lewis. <laughs> and uh, I would say, by the looks of it, the cat is uh, definitely evil. Definitely gives the evil vibe right off the bat, especially with the glowing eyes. So how they actually got the glowing eyes to happen is the um, they, there was no effects with the glowing eyes. All they did was, you know how cats, they have... Uh, like uh, some kind of reflection in their eyes. Mm-hmm. All they did was shine a light at the cat from a certain angle. And that's the cat's natural eyes glowing. That's, well, that's it. That's weird. Cause it, it almost looks like it was uh, digitally put in there oh. after. Hmm. Nope, that's pretty that's good. Real eyes. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was, I okay. thought that was a real slick, uh, slick, slick kind of way to do that. But yeah. Uh, so now when you watch the movie again, later on, you, you, if you pay attention, you realize that it's just just like a cat that if you were driving and your headlights caught you know caught its eyes, it's just the same thing. Yeah, so kind of church pretty much acts like a dick to Lewis the rest of the time. The family is gone. 
at one point scratching his face and even dropping a dead rat into the bathtub with Lewis. Which yeah, poor I would have fucking man. punched that fucking I cat. Yeah, I would have been <laughs> That's fucking so shitting. That's so gross. And it's like it's not just like the rat falls in the tub. He dude. Throws it's it. like blood coming off the rat. Like it's the, he like chucks it at him too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would have been that that cat would have been outside. If I end up got getting hit again. That cat would be living outside after that. Yeah. So uh so Lewis goes to talk to Judd about Church's return, and Judge tells him the story about when he was a boy and his pet dog died. And uh Judd took his remains up to beyond the pet cemetery, and he tells Lewis that the reason that he did it was to spare Ellie the pain of losing her pet at such a young age. And after a few days, Rachel and the kids return and Ellie continuously complains about church stinking. I guess he fucking reeks like dead. Like, like dead? dead? Like yeah. dead. That's, that that's, 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 yeah, that's a bad smell. Everybody yeah. knows, anybody Everybody who's ever smelled smell. dead knows this, the dead smell. Yeah. But the family uh, goes on as normal, never really kind of catching on the idea that anything happened to church while they were gone. And apparently no one ever noticed church has glowing eyes now. Yeah, so I was wondering about that. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. Why is does the cat's eyes glow randomly now? <laughs> like, well, made me wonder if it was like just Lewis was seeing it, and that the rest yeah. of the family members weren't. Because uh, I mean, it, it, cat doesn't seem to hate the rest of the family. It's just yeah. like Lewis, for, maybe he was trying to give him that rat as like a gift, like a gift. Like Thanks I got for this rat me back, for you, bro. and then he got pissed. And after that, church was like, "All right." Fuck you. He's like, hey, man, I really appreciate you bringing me back from the dead. I caught this for you. It's like, can, it's you bring, can you bring this rat back so I can chase it down and kill it again? <laughs> <laughs> so um, so right after this, we see that uh, a lady that the Creeds had hired to help around the house decides to commit suicide. And she leaves a brief note and hangs herself in the basement of her home and at her funeral, we get a cameo by Stephen King himself. It's always weird for me to see like a young Stephen King. Yeah, because my whole life Stephen King's been well, I wouldn't say my whole life because I was I was a baby. Here. Your whole adult my life whole of adult knowing who been Stephen old. King is. Yes, he's very old. <laughs> did you did you read the suicide note? Uh, I remember it being like something about it's her stomach pain. She couldn't take the pain anymore. Yeah, I had to. I had to pause it and go back. It's yeah. She had she had some type of uh, stomach cancer, obviously. Yeah, they talk. Well, she, you know, the, the couple, the couple scenes that she's in, like, you know, she's complaining she's talking about, about her it. stomach yeah. hurting. Yeah, because he, he even uh, Lewis offers to like check it out for her, and she's like, "Oh no!" She's got the Judd accent down. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's. It's clearly they don't say it's stomach cancer, but. More than likely, some type of stomach cancer. Yeah, she's like the only character that's not in the original story at all. And I really wasn't quite sure why they had her whole entire part in the movie. I don't really, I don't really understand, you know, really what, why they, why they wrote that in. Well, they, really well, they do talk, well, they talk to Ellie about death again after that. Because he has to, I, I remember they have, Lewis and Ellie have a conversation about death again after that, after the funeral. 
That's the only only reason I could think of them adding yeah, that in there. Yeah, so um, Ellie's really upset. Yeah, she it, asked if she's if you know what happened to her. the The original story is actually Judd's wife that dies, and I don't know why they made that change because that seemed like that went a, a it went better than this random lady. Whenever I was younger and I seen this movie, I thought it was Judd's wife. Yeah, they get real close to Judd and his wife. Um, and her, his wife dies from like, uh, I think she dies from a heart attack or something. And, um, this is what, this is what brings all this stuff up with, with Ellie. But, um, yeah, this causes Ellie to ask questions about death. And this is pretty much, we learned that Rachel has, uh, some kind of deep seated issue when it comes to the subject of death kind of explains her, her look from earlier and her and Lewis talk about it. And Rachel tells a story of her sister, Zelda. And when they were kids, Zelda had spinal meningitis, which causes her to become very sick and very scary looking a fucking monster. <laughs> um, her back and her arms begin to twist in very unnerving, unnatural ways. Rachel hated her sister and was kind of wanting her to die. And uh, one day, Rachel was kind of put in charge of watching her for a few hours. And during this time, her sister passes away. And pretty much this event emotionally scars Rachel for life. And my whole entire life, I've always thought that Zelda is the scariest part of this movie for me. Like, I'm going to say the second scariest part for me. me when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the, the second scariest part oh. um at least mentally yeah it's 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 pretty bad i would if I, I hate to say this but if i had a sibling and i was stuck in the house with with that if we could she's she's a little kid like yeah. uh her sister's clearly much much older than her probably look look like she was probably an adult um when when she's dying but God, man. No, she's only like two years older. The, well, so the reason that she looks like that in the movie. That spinal is, meningitis is some fucked well, up shit, man. Well, here's what <laughs> happened. So they originally were casting little girls to play the part. And they couldn't get the little girls to quit being cute. And like, <laughs> and you having sympathy for for this character. Yeah. So they casted a grown man. To play. That was a man. Was I didn't man. know that was a man. Yeah. <laughs> Thought it was a grown woman. Yeah. Good God. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. So they picked you... a man because they thought a man would be scarier. It and was they fucking wanted scary. You to be as scared as Rachel was when she was a kid. Bro, if I was eight years old and I was stuck in the fucking house with this, I would be terrified. Yeah. Now, Lewis is right. Like he tells her like, you know, if I, if I ever had a uh, needed another reason to dislike your fucking parents even more, this is it. Like, why would why would they think leaving an eight year old in charge of taking care of their sister with spinal meningitis was a good idea? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, uh, a little bit of backstory too about Zelda is Zelda actually resented Rachel for being healthy, and uh, Rachel and her mother were the primary caregivers for zelda and zelda started doing things um to make their life miserable like she would pee on her like they would try to take her to the bathroom and she wouldn't go and then 
they would put her back in bed and she would immediately piss the bed. So they had to change her and clean everything up. Like she started doing all of these things just to spite them. And that's why Rachel actually wanted her to die. Well, you know, I don't blame Rachel. I hate to say that. That's a horrible thing. But eight years old, uh, you know, that's a horrible thing to have to go through. And it makes a lot more sense of why she has such a weird thing with death and talking about it with her daughter. Yeah. So like, like, yeah, when, when Zelda dies, Rachel actually runs out of the house to the neighbors and she's like screaming that, you know, Zelda's is dead. And the neighbors are like, Oh, she's upset. But she's like, yeah, she I was actually happy. She says she's yeah. crying and they think like she's upset, but in reality yeah. she was happy. Yeah. So um, the next day we see the Creed family and Judd. They're having kind of a picnic uh, in the yard. Lewis and Gage are flying a kite. And uh, Lewis kind of turns around. He's talking to Rachel and Judd. And Gage drops the kite string and begins kind of running after it and uh, in the direction towards the road. And at the same time, we see a fast-moving semi-truck kind of heading down the same road. Lewis starts sprinting after Gage, trying to catch him before he makes it into the road, but he doesn't make it. And we see the truck coming right at Gage, and then a, uh, a bloody child's shoe tumbling down the street. And the shot of the shoe is fucked up. Like That's like one of the most fucked up parts of this movie. This this is the scariest scene for me. At least mentally. Yeah, yeah. And as an adult thinking about the reality of the situation is scariest, but you know Yeah, being a parent and going back and watching this, like I've seen this fucking movie many a times before I was a parent and seeing it now, even though I know he's gonna get hit by a truck, like it's the main part of the story, it's still like, oh God no, don't get hit by the truck. Yeah, I remember, you know, watching this story many times, you know, throughout my life and not really thinking anything really about the story. It's just another horror movie story. But uh, as a much older adult, when I watch this movie now, I understand why Stephen King was like, I've went too far. I'm going to probably put this story to the side because, um, you know, even with like uh with it georgie gets killed you know it's he's killed by this monster that we know is not real but this is a situation where this shit happens this happens yeah Yeah. somebody out there right now is going through this shit yeah as a parent like that scene absolutely just gave me such bad anxiety and they're ch- and I I really like Lewis, but of course he fucking falls down like right before he gets there in the lamest way possible. It's it's just it's it's a horrible scene. Yeah, I hate this whole entire part of the movie because even after you get past the like bloody shoe, then they dig in deeper where they're like showing like their moments with this kid, and I'm like, why the fuck would you put this in this movie? And then they show him going <laughs> through the pictures and shit afterwards, and I'm like, there's no way I could be sitting there going through those pictures right after this. Like, I don't know how how i would even go on after that but like he's sitting there not crying like looking through the pictures of his kid and i'm like no no fucking way yeah this is a uh man this is a fucked up part of the movie i could go i could watch this movie you know the rest of my life and just edit that 
just that part out of it. I already know what happens. Don't need to see it again. But yeah, this death's a fucked up part of this movie. <laughs> um, so then we see uh, scenes of Lewis, Rachel, and Ellie trying to kind of deal with the death of Gage. And uh, they have a visitation and a funeral for him. And uh, Judd anticipates that Lewis may be considering burying his son uh, beyond the pet cemetery where they where they put the cat. And they uh, he's I guess he is worried he's going to try to bring him back to life. And Lewis denies this, but Judd doesn't really believe him. Which you know I don't I I definitely wouldn't believe him either. Every parent, I think, if that was a possibility, would consider that. But yeah, he um, so he sits down and he tells him the story about a local man named Bill Abaterman who buried his young son, Timmy, in this uh, Indian burial ground after he died at the end of World War Two. And uh, Timmy returned as a very violent zombie. Yeah, I guess is the zombie. best way to put yeah, it. <laughs> that's, that's what I put in there. Timmy, yeah. Timmy the zombie. Yeah. So uh, he pretty much went around terrifying the townspeople until ultimately a group of local men, including Judd, went to kill Timmy for good. And they set the Baderman house on fire while Timmy murdered his father, Bill. Now, I want to throw this in there because I thought this was okay, but I thought the original version was cool. So, um, so Timmy originally doesn't come back as this like violent zombie. He comes back kind of like, uh, mentally ill and you know, the town people are like, they all went to his funeral and they're like, and, but they all know about the burial ground and they're just like, this is weird. This is unnerving. But what happens is people start writing the government. And the U.S. Army is pissed that this guy is alive. They're like, well, if he didn't die in this war, then who did we bury and who did we give this Purple Heart to? Basically, and they and they paid out a life insurance to his dad. And, you know, people from the town wrote, hey, you know, just letting you know, you know, this Timmy Baderman that you buried with full honors and paid out of life insurance is actually alive snitching ass neighbors yeah. man so basically yeah so the military like sends a guy from the department of defense and he's um pretty much like tells like the town like police officer like listen um if i keep hearing about this then i'm gonna show up and do an investigation and this is gonna be a big deal and so they go and talk to Timmy's dad who brought him back to life. And he basically says, fuck off. Like, I don't really care what the government says. Like, you know, yeah, I brought him back to life and yeah, he's a little messed up, but he's still my son. That would be me as a parent. I'd be like, and well, they're the government. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, Judd and his group of friends try to talk him into like, look, this is unnatural. This is wrong. Like he's kind of freaking people out. He's doing weird stuff. And uh, what ends up happening is the dad actually ends up shooting Timmy and then himself and sets the house on fire. And mm. I thought that was a cooler story. I like yeah. that a little bit better. That makes sense because he's telling the story and it makes it sound like Timmy the zombie just terrorized the town for like a fucking week. 
And I'm like, how did he run around here for days? Yeah, so what? Wh- the reason that the townspeople wanted to get rid of him is because he possessed this knowledge that of everyone's secrets and was like kind of uh, fucking with people pretty much. He was like, there was one guy, he was like, you know your wife's like fucking that dude that, that works at the supermarket. Damn, that's so Stephen King. <laughs> that is such a Stephen King. Like not not the not the fucking the guy at the supermarket <laughs> part, but like you know, I could totally see in the longer version in the book. That's a total like this guy comes back to life and he's he knows like all these people's like dark secrets and starts fucking with them. That's totally yeah. Stephen King. Well, the the whole point of it is there's this evil that is controlling these people. It's the people didn't come back to life. Yeah, themselves. an evil is, is got is in their body. And, uh, I just thought that was such a cooler story with the Timmy. Um, the dad eventually ends up murdering Timmy because he is getting worse. Like the things he is doing is getting worse and worse. Like I can't exactly remember exactly what he was doing, but, um, eventually it got to the point where the dad just couldn't keep his, son under control anymore and he had realized like this is out of hand that's why the books are always so much better that that whole parts i don't know take up 15 minutes of a movie whereas the books i mean you, with a movie you only have yeah two hours max I mean, they covered gotta, this in like two minutes yeah this is like a whole chapter in the book i'm sure yeah i just really love the fact that the townspeople let it go on for a while because they felt bad and what really brought the hammer down was the the federal government was like, what what is going on here? And then, you know, the the son is actually getting where he's not going around like eating people's, you know, arms or anything. The but, government's like, if we paid out this life insurance money, we're going to make sure this motherfucker's dead. Yeah, they, they mentioned that to Bill Baderman and he's like, well, you know, like they can have their fucking money back. Like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I know. As a parent, I would hundred percent be like, "Why does the government give a fuck if he's if my my son's back?" Like, had to take your money. Yeah, but uh, Judd insists that the burial grounds are evil, and he pleads with Lewis not to take Gage up there. And he he tells him, uh, you know, pretty much the tagline of the movie that sometimes dead is better. And uh, Lewis talks to Rachel and Ellie. Uh, he talks them into going back to Chicago after the funeral. And that uh, he will join them in a few days. And uh, he's pretty much ignores Judd and Pascal's warnings. Lewis goes and digs up his son's body and buries him in the ritual site. I feel so he there's the scene where he's where he's about to dig his son up and he's like reasoning with himself. Of why he's going to do it. Like mm-hmm. the family will be out of town. Nobody will ever know if it goes bad. I'll just I'll just put him down again. And as a parent, like I 100% agreed with everything he was saying. Like watching this movie as a kid, I was like, this is clearly a bad fucking idea. <laughs> but now, like as a parent, like your toddler gets hit by a truck in front of you and you find out there's a way that you could bring them back to life. And he's sitting there reasoning with himself, I think, is all actual thoughts that parents would have in this situation. Yeah, he you can tell, too, that his mind is 
broken. From. Yeah, the grief. The grief is and, fucking yeah, And, um, you know, you don't really understand that when you're younger because you've never really been through a situation where your mind is, you know, temporarily broken. But uh, seeing this situation as an adult, you can very much see Lewis's point of view during all this. It, it changes the way that you watch this movie. Yeah, it's much different. But yeah, so while in Chicago, uh, Pascal starts to appear in Ellie's dreams, warning her that Lewis is in trouble. And she pretty much tells this to Rachel, who calls Judd to check in on Lewis. And he tells her that he hasn't seen Lewis and he, he's not home. I like this because this is actually something that she's having these dreams the whole movie. And this is where we find out Victor is the one actually in her dreams. These bad dreams she keeps having. Mm-hmm. It's him trying to prevent this from happening. And uh, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there's something there's something real cool about this stuff, too. And I'll talk about it in a minute. But, um, but yeah, so unnerved by this news, uh, she decides to fly home uh, as quick as possible. And uh, so that night, a reanimated Gage returns to the house and takes a scalpel out of Lewis's medical bag while Lewis is uh, pretty much exhausted and sleeping on the bed. And I will say, uh, Gage is in really good shape for being hit by a semi truck. He yeah. is, uh, he has well, pretty much like a scar on his forehead. That's it. I don't know that that foot took the brunt of it. That shoe, oh, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that's where it came from. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, how does the the uh, like ritual cemetery work if you've been embalmed? I guess it doesn't matter because it's evil taking your body over. I'm sure they embalmed them. It's just weird though that like maybe that's why it looks have... so good. Maybe it's just a really good funeral home. Man, the, like the they just sewed them back together and made them look real good. They're like his face is pretty much undamaged Uh, we can glue the rest back yeah i guess the fact that he has you know no organs inside of his he's a kid he can take that shit (laughs) just (laughs) just a semi they heal up quick (laughs) but uh so he sneaks over to judd's house and kind of taunts him with some creepy evil child laughter and tiny muddy footprints (laughs) these are very simple but effective uh things to do when you're a child and you're going to murder an adult. This is all like very creepy. Chucky vibes too, with the little oh, footprints yeah. running around. Oh, that's immediately what I thought about was I'm like, they did that same thing in Chucky with, cause uh, there's a scene where somebody spills like some flour or something, child's play. And you see his little footprints through mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, you, if you have a tiny killer, you have to have the tiny footprints. You have to, yeah. it's like, you know, you can't make a tiny killer movie. Without tiny footprints. One of the few like really scary things you can do with a tiny killer. I think Chucky does some evil laughter too. It's just not child laughter. But yeah. same thing. It, it That's also a big thing. And like when you go to haunted houses during Halloween, there's always some evil laughter going on in the background. Yeah. Something with, with ghosts and kids laughing. And yeah. it's, it's just creepy. So Gage hides under Judd's bed and uh, Judd's kind of looking for him and he slices the back of his uh, so it's foot. A, it's his Achilles. Achilles he cuts tendon. his fucking Achilles. He goes half. down. Another another shout out to the FX. Yeah, it looked good yeah, too. It did look good. 
uh, once he kind of falls down, he kind of slashes uh, Judd's face. Like his, he cuts like the corners of his, like he gives him like the Joker. He does. He's slight, and that was done really good too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's real quick. Yeah, yeah. This is this was some good. There's not a whole lot, but the one the effects that they do have is really good for 1989. Yeah. So once Judd is down on the floor. Gage bites out his neck. And I was like, no, not Judd. Yeah, yeah, this was a hard one. Yeah. Uh You like Judd so much. He was wanting Um, to survive. Even if all of this is his fault, he's still like, he's still the best character. He's great. And to see. I forgive you, Judd. I forgive you. Little savage Gage rip his throat out with his teeth. It was, it was a rough one. Yeah. uh, So. What the fuck is Gage wearing? Like he's wearing like this so, dress and top hat. So yeah, so, yeah. I actually put that <laughs> in my notes. Cane. <laughs> so he doesn't do that when he kills him, but whenever when Rachel when shows Rachel up, shows yeah. up, he's like, she sees her fucked up sister Zelda for a second. This really creepy scene of her ducked down in the corner, and she starts like talking shit to her and coming towards her, and then. It like flashes and it's no longer Zelda. It's Gage and he's wearing a fucking dress and top hat. So that was really weird. It is weird. And I looked into it and here's the deal. So there is that portrait that you see Rachel standing in front of a couple times when she's in Chicago. And that portrait is a portrait of Zelda when she was about Gage's age. And she is wearing that exact same outfit. That is the same outfit that they also buried Zelda in. And for some reason, it's like a family tradition to bury your dead child in that outfit. Because that is why when you see Zelda appear right before she turns into Gage, if you notice, she's wearing that minus the top hat. She's wearing that same that same kind of dress thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I noticed she was wearing it, but I, I didn't I didn't know any of the family history of it or yeah. and I, I didn't catch that picture. Yeah, I didn't either. Because I was I just totally happened, like I just I just I read I came across it, I read about it, and yeah, so that is um uh, and the reason that they did that is because they want people to see kind of like the similarities that uh Rachel was scared of Zelda and then her child ends up having a similar fate. And that's why they dress them the same is because, um, you know, she was happy. It's almost like she's being punished for being happy. Zelda's dead by her child dying. So yeah, that they're, they're, they're basically trying to make a, you know, like a visual well, kind of thing of these, these two things are running together. They, they're 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 surrounding Rachel. Yeah, that makes a little more sense because I was definitely like, I didn't get it either. What the fuck did they put Gage in? This Especially dress for? the top hat and the cane. Yeah, like I get why he needs a cane now. <laughs> he was in a, <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> but um, yeah. So Pascal, he's helping Rachel return home, and once she arrives, she goes uh, straight over to Judge ho- Judd's house. After seeing the ghost, uh, or he, I guess she hears her son and uh, Zelda, she 
hears them over at Judd's and she kind of heads over there. And once she's inside, she realizes that she is looking at her, uh, originally she's looking at Zelda, but this is what we we're just talking about. And she kind of transforms into, um, her once dead and now very much alive son gauge. And he is holding a scalpel. She is in shock and disbelief. She reaches down to hug him and, uh, he kills her. Does, no, we don't see we the don't kill. get to see it. We don't get to see the kill, but it would have uh, been my favorite obvious. kill if they would have showed it. Yeah. So, um, in the morning, Lewis wakes up and he sees, uh, you know, small footprints of the killer. And in the house, he discovers that his scalpel is missing. And this is pretty much when Lewis realizes, "Fuck, my kid came back evil." <laughs> Damn, Judd was right. Yeah, he's excited evil. at first. Yeah, like he gets all excited, starts yelling for Gage, and then he's like, "Oh, my scalpel's scalpel. gone." He's probably not going to do surgery. Perfect murder weapon. Yeah. But um, so the phone rings, and it's a uh, Gage on the other end informing Lewis that he has played with Judd and Mommy. And uh, Lewis pretty much realizes his son is evil and fills up three syringes with some morphine and he heads on over to Judd's house. Take care of business. He's going to he's going to try to fix his very, very big mistake. <laughs> it's fucked up. He gets a call from his father in law right before that, too. And it's saying Ellie's having this dream that Rachel died. So he kind of is like already like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like. This couldn't get yeah, any he worse. Knows, he knows. Like, yeah, damn. they find out she came back. She's not there. And then that the kid's now having a dream. And everything she's dreamed is end up happening. So, yeah, he catches uh, Church first, kind of out front. Church dies again. <laughs> he injects him with the morphine, kind of kills him, and pretty much gives you a fuck you evil cat. It, is it morphine? It is morphine. Oh. Yeah. Did they say that in the movie or something? Uh, I don't think they say it in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. It was That's a good was, way to die. It was in the plot of the of the movie. If you're gonna inject me with something to kill me, just I, I would. I mean, that's what I'd I rather it be. IMDb claims it's morphine. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, he pretty much kills the evil cat. It's a Thanksgiving for cats that came back alive. <laughs> they actually said the one of the hardest parts of filming this movie was trying to get that cat to eat that pork chop. Well, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I don't think cats really like that kind of stuff. Like tuna? Oh, God. Like the cat, the cat here, like, will fight you over a fucking tuna. Yeah, my my cat (laughs) loves tuna, but as far as like table food, they are not like a dog. They, They don't go after food like that. Yeah. So um, then he heads inside and he's looking for Gage. And uh, first he finds Judd's body with the uh, lower part of his face missing. So Judd, so Gage has had a little more fun with Judd, apparently. I do face, I do love how the fucking house is like rotted and fucked up. No. And it's not actually. It just goes to show you how, how this, like, this evil is, is like fucking with him yeah. super hard. And he's like lost his mind. So then as he is walking through the uh, the hallway, Rachel's body drops from the attic. Uh, Gage is kind of up there with with, you know, with the where the body was. This stuns and shocks Lewis, who is then attacked by Gage. 
And uh, we see a fight between Lewis and uh, Obvious Doll. <laughs> I, I, this is the only part I can say I fucking hated in this entire movie. The, the fight the, with the doll. The fakest dive. <laughs> the, the throwing the doll out of the attic, like the dive onto him was so, so fake looking. And then him fighting with this, with this toddler and it's like slamming him up against the wall. It's total leprechaun vibes. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you just throw this little fucking bastard? Just yeah, toss him. It's, it's it's a bit much. They try to mix some. They do a good job. They mix some scenes of like the actual Gage's face in in this kind of fight. But uh, he's pretty much like cutting Lewis up with the scalpel. But there's a couple scenes where uh, it just looks like Lewis is holding this doll and just slamming himself around the hallway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and the the worst part was the dive out of the attic for me because it was really bad looking. But, I mean, even even without it looking fake, I mean, he's he's like a two-year-old I feel like I would have beat the fuck out of a two-year-old. I mean, it's your kid, so maybe not beat the fuck out of it, but if an evil evil two-year-old jumps on me, like, I'm gonna throw it halfway across the room. Like, there's no way that's gonna... How is it slamming you up against the the fucking wall? It's the power of evil. (laughs) That is some powerful evil. You should have... The power of Christ compels you. As you should have did. Maybe, yeah. maybe that, maybe a crucifix would have worked in this, uh, in this moment. We turn it into an, <laughs> an exorcist movie. If Gage started like doing that backwards crawl thing. It's, uh, um, Stephen King, the Reverend comes in with the crucifix. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that would have been great. So after a brief fight, Lewis overpowers Gage and injects him with the morphine uh, Gage gets upset. He kind of stumbles away from Lewis, and he falls down, and uh, he he dies. That's kind of sad. It is sad. It's it a really kind of sad death because he's still like a kid. He is like a he's, little baby. And you can you can tell despite all the evil, like it still kills Lewis oh, to yeah. actually do it. And then, like as he's dying, he kind of it's like the evil dies out of him first because he kind of resorts back into being a toddler and just is kind of sad and just stumbles away and falls up against the wall. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, it's, you know, it sucks. It's it's like, yay, you know, you, you, you killed the evil, but it's still a little kid and he still talks like a little kid and even even says like, you know, you're not you're not, like you're not fighting fair. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a sad. Yeah, scene. he's like he's like stumbling away, and he's like, "Not fair, not fair." Yeah, he has to, you know, it sucks too because Lewis has to watch his kid die twice. Mm-hmm. You know that sucks. So Lewis then kind of pours gas throughout Judd's house, and he uh, he you know sets it on fire. He and he cuts Rachel down, and uh, you know walks out of there with the house pretty much being engulfed in flames. He carries Rachel towards the pet cemetery, believing that Gage became evil because he just waited too long to bring him back, and that Rachel will be a different outcome because uh, she just died. And Pascal appears in the road, and he tries to stop Lewis, but uh, he doesn't really give a fuck about what Pascal has to say. 
Yeah, this is this is sad. Even after all this, like you can tell how him being grief stricken has has literally yeah, caused him to lose his mind. He like is he's totally broken. At this he's point. lost everybody at this point. Like he's desperate to bring just his just wife something. back. At least he obviously can't bring Cage back. He's he's been dead twice now. Um, but yeah, you would think after all this, like, no, you would never go near that place again, but he's clearly so grief stricken. He's, he's going to try it again. Yeah. I mean, you know, the cat came back evil. The kid came back evil, but, but the wife will be fine. So that night, Rachel returns home to Lewis, who has been waiting for her and she's very gross looking. She is missing an eye. Lewis stands up and they begin to passionately kiss each other. And Rachel takes a large knife from the table and we hear Lewis scream. And all I can say is poor Ellie. God, they start like like intensely tongue kissing and her fucking she's missing an eye and it's like oozing out. Yeah. And he's clearly lost his fucking mind. Oh God, she is Uh, gross. (laughs) But I'll say I fucking love the ending of this movie. Um, it's one of, uh, I hate when movies have super unrealistic, happy endings. Mm. And this is one of those, uh, more cryptic, dreadful endings. Uh, he could have ended it after like him setting the house on fire when everybody was dead and they just ended it with him and his daughter, which people forget. He still has a, mm-hmm. a daughter who's now left on her own, but him being so crazy and putting her back in the cemetery and then it kind of fading out. Like we don't see him actually die, but kind of fades out. I thought the ending was fantastic. Yeah. So the original ending for the movie is actually, uh, it stopped when Rachel put, like she puts her hand on the door and like goes to open the door. That's where the original, the original movie stops. They originally stopped it because they kind of wanted the end to be left up to you. Uh, but the studio actually made them go back and reshoot that whole like make out scene and stab with the knife. So, yeah, that whole thing was reshot because uh, I guess they thought, you know, you're, you're you're you were so close to being just just show it, you know, just just show her looking gross and creepy. Show them making out. Lewis has lost his mind. And then because I guess they wanted to make make you wonder, like, does she come back evil? Or does she not? And uh, it's pretty obvious that, yeah, she probably comes back evil because everything has come back evil. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the ending. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. The everybody dies ending is, I'm always a fan of. Although I really liked Lewis, I, I still, I thought it was a great ending. Yeah, so um, we'll move into some interesting things I learned about the movie. In the first one, I got a big one. Got a big one for the first one. Some of this stuff is really awesome. So I really wanted to include a bunch of it. But uh, originally, the film rights were sold to George A. Romero. Hmm. He bought them from Stephen King in 1984 for $10,000. King declined many, many other offers for the film adaptation for this. But Ramiro had to eventually pull out of the film because by the time they decided to make the movie, he was already uh, busy on a production of, a, of another movie. Um, 
Stephen King had turned down all the other offers because he he didn't really want to make a film adaptation of this. And then when George A. Romero came, he was like, well, if anybody, if I'm going to let anybody do it, it's going to be George A. Romero. We almost had a George A. Romero pet cemetery. Holy fucking shit. Wonder how that would have came out. That's a big one. Yeah. But we would have seen the kills. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so since we're kind of talking about the director, so Stephen King was originally opposed to any other directors doing the film until he met Mary Lambert. Mary Lambert was picked by the studio. And uh, so he met her and she talked about how much she loved all his books and how she did not want to stray from the source material, which King he loved her after that because he didn't want to a lot of his other movies they kind of go off and do other stuff from his books and she wanted to stay very close to his book which he liked yeah you know how many movies stephen king has probably had to watch that were written from his books that yeah, they just think, completely fuck it up i think he dislikes change everything about it yeah, this movie too, uh, he actually had the most to do with. I think he was kind of tired of them kind of butchering up his, chopping up his his stories. So this one, he actually had made it part of the contract when he sold the rights that he was going to write the actual like screenplay and he was going to have a uh, say-so in where it was filmed. Where they filmed this movie was only uh, 20 minutes from his home. Hmm. So yeah, he didn't have to travel far to the set every day. It's probably close to where the place where he, uh, that kind of inspired it to. Yeah. He said he went back to teach at his old school, right? Yeah. So, um, um, what's interesting is, so that house is still there and you can go and see that house. Uh, Lewis's house, Judd's house is, uh, it was a smaller house and they actually built that house around the smaller house that is just a fake out it's like a shell um and then they kind of lined it with something so there's some kind of lining in between the actual house and then the fake judd house that way that when they burn judd's house down um they would be able to actually set it on fire and it wouldn't actually catch the real house on fire yeah that's slick that's pretty cool uh, so what took the studio so long to make this movie was they believed that there was no more demand for Stephen King movies. Wow. Yeah. They fucked that up. Yeah. Here we much. are in 2023 and there's still a demand for Stephen King movies. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't until uh, the 1988 Guild of America strike that the studio needed to use an already written script in order to avoid facing a possible shortage of new productions in the year of 1989. So because they didn't have any writers writing anything in 88, they were like, we've got to, we've got to do something. We got to get something that's already written and already approved, or we're not going to have any movies for 1989. And this is the only reason that Pet Cemetery was made. Isn't it crazy how you can get all these like studio execs that are supposed to be like experts in this stuff. And then, don't a room shit. full of them can be so fucking wrong about something. Mm. Like, I mean, how many times has that happened? 
That's happened. That happens yeah, all the I time. Feel like it's it, like it's untelling other movies we could have had if they wouldn't have fucked it up. There's probably stuff we don't know. Oh, there's. I'm sure there's shit tons of stuff we we don't know. And then, like going back and hearing about a movie twenty years later, and you, you hear about some of the stuff and some studio execs, like a room full of rich people who are supposed to be the best in the world at making these decisions, can manage to fuck something up. They're just out of. I think a lot Stephen of Stephen King's out. Of touch. out. He's he's he's, he's, old, he's news. Done. Uh, old news. Old news. No one don't even know who he is in twenty years. Yeah, wait unless wait. you read books. Wait until the two thousands. <laughs> Nobody's gonna give a fuck. But Stephen who? Yeah. Uh so it was director Mary Lambert who fought the studio on the casting of Fred Gwynn for Judd. The studio believed that people would not take him serious because of his fame as Herman Munster. Well, Another thing they were wrong about. They were, yeah, they were very wrong about that. Yeah. To so, ever disrespect Herman Munster or Fred Gwynn. So when, when she signed on for the movie, Fred Gwynn was her only choice for Judd. This she is probably. Never, a, never wanted anybody else to play him. I wonder if this was done before or after my cousin Benny. Uh, I think this is before because. I think my cousin Vinny, I don't know, could have been around the same time. I mean, the Munster. I think my cousin Vinny might have been like 1990. The Munsters only ran for two seasons. and That, that was the late 60s. Yeah. So this is, this is you know, nearly 10 years later. And yeah. unless you, I mean, I guess there was probably a lot of fans of the Munsters back then. Um, but um, I mean, he's just not like super, super recognizable. He has so much makeup when he does the Munsters. But they were very wrong. Yeah. Very wrong about that. Yeah, when I think of him, I don't think of the monsters because I don't watch the monsters, but I think of Pet Cemetery. He did so good in that role that when I watched the remake, he is the only role that's like it's just the movie could never be as good yep. because because Judd is not Judd. Yeah, I agree. It's it's really difficult to replace him because he was so good in that role. I mean, he's this iconic, yeah. like that voice and the accent and, and the look like it's, it's just, it makes it's whenever I was younger and I would think back at watching the pet cemetery. He is the first person that I would think of him, him talking in that accent. So like I said, even the remake, it's just, he's, he's the one character that just can't be replaced. Yeah, uh, I got another big one for you. Bruce Campbell was the first choice for the role of Lewis Creed. Hmm. Can you imagine if we would have a George A. Romero director and Bruce Campbell in Pet Cemetery? Yeah, it's I'm so, not so weird. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm glad they didn't do that. That not the Romero, obviously, hmm. but uh, having having Ash. <laughs> as as uh, Lewis Creed, he would have he would have like chainsawed Gage. <laughs> yeah, that's still that that would have been you know that would have been crazy though. I mean, just thinking those two things that almost happened. Uh, this would be, I don't know. I mean, it would still be the movie that it is, but it would. Uh, I don't think people would look at it differently. Yeah, I, I, you gotta imagine. If Romero did it, it would be, uh, we would actually see the deaths. There would be a lot more, probably, 
death and gore in it. Because this movie doesn't have a whole lot of those. They do a good job at sprinkling in these creepy parts. But it really doesn't have a whole lot of FX moments or gore mm-hmm. or anything. The the ones it does have is great, but it's just not a whole lot. Uh, they don't show the deaths except Judd. It's very reliant on the story. Yeah, not so much on really. Unfortunately, it was a, a fantastic great story. Story though, yeah, fantastic yeah. story, which holds the movie up for sure. Yeah, so uh, because cats are very difficult to train, which I didn't know that till till this, they ended up using nine different cats for the role of church. They had one for jumping, one for snarling, and one for cuddling, just to name a few of the cats. <laughs> I yeah, could so see that. Cats e- are fucking hard. So apparently it. for each different thing that church does in the movie, it's, they had to get a different cat that was specifically trained to do that one thing. Huh. Yeah. Somebody had to go out and find a bunch of gray cats. <laughs> they were like, we need this exact shade of gray. Just get as many as you can. And if you pull 20, we'll be able to get at least one of them to do what we need. Yeah, so uh, the studio thought the original cut of the movie was way too long. So they, they actually cut, had a lot of scenes cut out, and in uh, which I think is a huge mistake. But in 2020, director Mary Lambert stated that the the reason that the deleted scenes are not on the Blu-ray or DVD is because the studio had destroyed all of the, or no, they had lost all of the extra footage. They probably destroyed it. You know, they, they do that. Yeah, I'm sure that was another super smart studio exec. Was like, oh fucking burn all that footage we nobody will ever want to see that shit you know that they had a lot more detail through in through this movie i would have loved to have seen a director's cut of this movie especially after reading the book especially after stephen king writing this the the screenplay for it i'm sure it because you know there's there's stuff in there that he doesn't want to leave out because then it makes certain things not make that much sense like judd running through the woods to get there. Although he's like 70 years old. Like that didn't really make sense to me until you told me in the book, you know, it kind of makes them, them feel really good. It's like they're drugged up when they get up there. So I'm sure there was a lot of stuff, detail stuff that, that got cut out that he made sure was in there. Yeah. After, after reading the book and then I, this is the first time I'd watched a movie since I'd read it. This, it made the movie feel like it just jumped from point to point really quickly. And I get that it can't, it can't have as much detail as the book, but I feel like from what I understand from statements from the director that they did try to put that stuff in. So it didn't seem like it was because, you know, when you watch it without knowing all the stuff, it, there are a ton of spots that, you you know you just like whatever it's you know just part of the movie but it would definitely add to the movie if they included a lot of that stuff like they could have mentioned how you uh feel really good when you're on on that like ritual land like all of a sudden you're like in great shape and you have no problem you know i'm sure they probably filmed a 30 second scene with them saying that but the studio had to edit it out yeah, it sucks. 
with I mean you take a long book and try to get it down into two hours it's it's probably really tough yeah probably even for Stephen King just figuring out for the screenplay not to mention all the stuff that got cut after they filmed it I I feel like you could do a 10-part series and still miss details not as much but you did like uh Stephen King's what is it uh Eleven twenty three fifty nine or something. No, eleven twenty two sixty three. Sixty three. Okay, yeah. So they did that that in a ten part series, and I loved that book. Yeah, and I thought they did a great job. But there's still um, a lot. But missing. there was still a lot of mm-hmm. detail stuff missing, and it's, it's hard. That's a long book, though. <laughs> that, that that is a long <laughs> book. A big book. That that book got me through some tough times. I'll just put it like that. <laughs> So um, the truck, and this is hard to see. Uh, I actually caught when you were when you were finishing up. I actually went in there and was like looked for this. Uh, it's hard to see though. The truck that Rachel hitches a ride with towards the end of the movie is numbered six six six. It is. So when she gets out of the truck, uh, it's right there on the bottom of the door. It's uh, three sixes in white. Yeah, yeah. The truck number six six six. Didn't catch that. Yeah. I didn't. Either. I thought she was getting in the truck, the same truck that hit her son. I was like, "How did well, I never man. notice that?" <laughs> but because you can, you don't hardly get to see the guy who's driving. Like you see him, like make some comment, like, "Oh yeah, get in," or I don't know. He says it in a creepy way, but that that would have been awkward. It'd been an awkward ride. So another crazy ass thing. Tom Savini turned down the offer to direct this movie. Hmm. They tried to get some they heavy tried, hitters, yeah. didn't they? They did. I give Especially them, in that time. Like, yeah. those were the heavy hitters. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing, is if we would have had Tom Savini directing Pet Cemetery, Like, holy shit. That's what I was saying earlier, is I was kind of excited for some of this stuff, because this is a movie that I think a lot of people kind of grew up with. And... There's so much stuff uh, that that kind of goes along with the making of this movie that I don't think hardly anybody knows. I'd never heard any of this stuff. Yeah, and like you think Savini or Romero, like this movie does not feel like either one of those two types. So it makes you wonder what kind of movie we would have gotten yeah. because we know the story would have been the same mm-hmm. because Stephen King himself wrote the screenplay. But how much different would the cinematography and the gore and stuff like I feel like it would make it a completely different feel of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe in alternate universes, there is a one where Tom Savini did Pet Cemetery and one where George A. Romero does Pet Cemetery, And I mean, it's just crazy, but that didn't happen. Mary Lambert did a good job, though. I mean, no, she I, did. I think it's she great did a movie. great job. Yeah, no, I agree. They yeah. could have ended up with somebody that totally, totally fucked this whole thing up. But so, speaking of of Mary Lambert, she kind of talked about um, Pascal being kind of the good ghost, like the good angel, is what she says, and Judd is actually the bad. Ah, yeah. So I did catch, I did pick yeah. up on that, and she said that she actually included a scene that kind of foreshadows this. And this scene is when they find Church in Judd's yard, and Judd is wearing that big hooded coat and kind of gives this like evil look. 
Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because I didn't really ever think of the story that way. Yeah, I think when I picked up on it was the scene where he's going to Barry Gage and Judd sits down on the porch to drink and he's like, you started this, now you got to finish it or something like that. And he just kind of had like a kind of grimacing look on his face. I was like, well, he's, you know what? He's kind of, he's kind of the bad guy. Yeah. Like he, he knew what this was and none of this would have ever happened had he not did what he did. Yeah, that is a... Uh, still the best character. That is unfortunate, but, you know, we still love you, Judd. Still in our hearts. I'm going to get one of them t-shirts that says, Rest in Peace, Judd, and I have his picture on it. Got to get it on a little uh, gravestone in, in the pet cemetery. Yeah. So, um, Stephen King purposely wrote into the story how the Creed family suffer from nightmares, visions, and premonitions implying that they all, especially Ellie, have the shining ability. Hmm, that's good. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I thought uh, that I was just that one for last. I thought that, that was just cool. the the evil fucking with them. Nope. Nope. I thought that was really cool. That's like kinda Lewis and Ellie seem to be the ones who have it. Like they well I would, yeah, mostly them. The wife, kinda, I guess, a little bit. She kind of, man, they passed it down to Ellie. Man, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's that, cool, though. Yeah. So that explains, though, because uh, I think the director also talked about um, Ellie. They didn't really talk about it in the movie, but she kind of, um, they kind of came up and directed Ellie's character as her being kind of a psychic, and uh, you know, Stephen King's like, well, you know, she has the ability to shine. Which, if you read Stephen King books, that has happened in a lot of his different characters have the uh, the shining abilities, not just the shining. But um, I thought that was really cool, really cool way to kind of connect it yeah. know, to his his universe. I love that. That makes sense because they all see uh, Victor. Like yeah. They all see him at some point. He's trying to like help them and avoid this from happening. And... I think every one of them at some point sees sees Victor in yeah. this movie. And Ellie not only sees Victor, but Ellie has visions of things that are going to happen that haven't happened yet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, and she has like multiple dreams and and visions earlier on in the movie, and that's why I thought it was so cool when you find out later that it's Victor the whole time has been showing her these things. But yeah, that's cool. That's that's. I would say out of the facts so far, that is my favorite. That's really cool. Well, that's going to be your favorite because that's all there is. Well, save, <laughs> save the best for I'd last. Save the best for last, yeah. I started out big and then, you know, had a had a couple big things in there. And then uh, I finished I finished uh, on that. But that's that's pretty much, you know, all the real. There's a, If you're interested in that stuff, go look because there's a couple other things. That I didn't include. I didn't want to include everything. But I kind of hit the big stuff that I thought was really interesting. So I didn't I did not come up with the favorite kill because we don't really see them. I, I did. Well, but you can throw it out there. <laughs> I put it I mean, sticking with the rules of best kill, Judd obviously is the only one who we actually see die. I think well we see we see Gage die, but he's already dead. We don't see him die the first time. Yeah, see, it's I like the evilness die. 
Yeah, this is one of those movies, though, even if we did see the deaths, that all the characters, almost all the characters uh, outside of was Rachel, mm-hmm. are really liked characters, and you don't really, like, you don't want to see Gage get hit by a truck. Like, that's horrible. Yeah, the, all the you, characters You are don't want to see Lewis die. You, you don't want to see uh, Judd die. Um, it's one of those movies where it's, it's not that satisfying anyway. But yeah, that, that's the only one we see die, I'm pretty sure. That, um, so when Lewis actually goes and looks in the house, in Judd's house, and he finds that, you know, Judd with his face chewed off, that is actually a, uh, like a fake head they made. And I think they did a really good job because I went back and paused it after I had found that out. And it looks just like him. They did a fantastic job making that mold. Yeah, yeah, they did. I think I kind of cut you off talking about the house earlier when you brought that up. But yes, that they did an amazing job. It's like his like bottom jaw in the front is kind of yeah from it, yeah, from his pretty much the jaw from top lip down is like chewed up i guess and, and for that being a fake head in 1989 they did a really good job with that like just just taking a glimpse at it you can't tell well a lot of times when they do that they get the skin tone a little off mm-hmm. but man i felt like they they, they nailed that because i thought that was him See, just the, the with prosthetics on skin tone and the eyes are messed up or something especially back then no it was good it, i th- thought every chance that the FX team had, they did they killed it. So you want to do ratings? Yeah. Yeah, we can do we can do ratings. All right. Uh I didn't write my rating down, but I got it in my brain. Let's go ahead and ty- I'll type it out. Hey, who who do you want to go first? It doesn't matter. I mean I'll I'll go first. Uh all right. My rating for Pet Cemetery. I gave it a 3.8. Okay. Yeah, um this this movie is a movie that has always stuck with me. Uh I think the first time I seen it I was I don't know, probably 8 years old. And uh it just never I don't know, it never disappoints. It's great. I love the story. It's a unique it's you know, a unique story. I love the characters. I love the setting. I love everything about it. It's 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 great. I wish we would have got a longer cut of it. That's the only negative thing I have to say about it. And uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a three point eight. Okay. Oh, I give it a four point two. Oh man, you went it's a classic me, man. man. It's a classic Stephen King. He he actually wrote the screenplay. So I overall a fantastic movie. The story I loved. It's an original story. Like there's no story like it. This isn't one that's some stories get recycled in different ways a thousand times. This is an original story. Love that. Um, it, it's kind of a slow burn throughout the beginning, but they add these creepy scenes in as their character building kind of through the first half of the movie. Like you have you have some creepy scenes here and there. But yeah, it's uh, the the acting, the acting everywhere down to the kids. Like all all the actors, I thought did a fantastic job. Like even getting the kids to be that good, it's hard to find kids, especially a two year old who can actually act. But I thought they did a fantastic job with that. Um, the ending, 
ending's probably my favorite part. You know, I like the the grim ending. And I, I'll say, watching this now, as opposed to watching it when I first seen it as a kid, just being a parent and or being an adult, it is so terrifying watching these parents go through this and kind of uh, seeing Lewis, his, his grief literally destroy his mind. I thought that was really good. And I can kind of see, like you said, where Stephen King thought he went a little too far. This is very, very real possibility as far as losing your kid that way. So, yeah, thought it was a great movie. Thought that, like I said, the ending and the story, the story is just fantastic to me. 4.2. Yeah, I I, I think I'm going to change it to a 4. Point. I'm going to give it a 4.0. Okay. I'm going to give it a 4.0. Yeah, I thought you went a little low for, for man, it's a, that's a classic. It is. It's, it's a really good movie. Uh, my... The only thing that I wish I could change is like, I wish we would see the the more of the kills, but, um, yeah, but this is one of the few times where it's such a good story that they can get away with not showing us the kills and it's still a good movie. Yeah. I feel like if I would have watched this movie before I read the book, I would have rated it higher but yeah, unfortunately, it's one of them situations where the story is so good in the original writing that it causes this, like I was saying earlier, it causes the movie to seem like it's just skipping through the story. Uh, so that that kind of, I don't know, it kind of like messes with my my kind of watching of the movie now. But if you like the story, read the read the book because it's uh it's just way more detail. It's the same exact story. They don't really change anything except for a couple things that don't really matter that I'm not really even sure why they changed. Yeah, but yeah, that's that that was the only reason that I originally went with the three point eight is because it it felt like it was skipping through the story. Well, unfortunately it's a movie. And they only have so much time. Well, they had more time in the studio. Fucking cut it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. But still, even without the stuff cut, I'm sure there was probably a, a ton of shit that's missed. Well, I'm talking about a book. Officially backspaced it. We got I'm, four point oh. I'm now. glad. I'm glad my re- review of my rating was able to change your mind. Bring it up some. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I have not read the book, so I'll stay at my 4.2. You should read the book. Uh, so that's that's really it for uh, Stephen King's Pet Cemetery 1989. Unless you got anything else you want to go over. No. No. That's no that it. about that's covers it. It's a good, good, good movie. Well, that's going to be uh, it for us. Give us some good reviews give us some likes give us some follows we got some social medias floating around out there just help us kind of spread the word of the show we thank you guys for listening and you got any last words uh don't don't bury your pets in an indian burial ground Mm. probably probably sound advice if you weren't sure before though definitely don't do that yeah sometimes dead is better